couple of you go impressed when you start calling this prayer school on Sunday nights. Prayer school. If you're going to a history class, what kind of textbook do you think you'd have? you think you'd have a math book or a, or a geography book? What would you have? You'd have a history book. If you're coming to a Bible class on prayer, what kind of main textbook you think you're going to have? Amen. That's going to be your main textbook is the Bible. And so we're in prayer school. And I want to show you some things out of the bookstore that uh, influenced me as a young Christian. And I, I, I'm glad they uh, keep changing the covers on these. I still got my old covers from 30-some years ago. But the content's the same. It's the Word of God being taught how the Lord gave it to Brother Hagin. And uh, the Art of Prayer is one of the primary books that I've studied over the year to help me. And then that book by... Pastor Mark Bazee, Process Plan of God Through Prayer, is what we'll be getting on pretty soon. But so far, I'm still on basics. I'll tell you why in just a second. And then two more books that are good, Prayer Secrets. Prayer Secrets. And then Praying to Get Results. Praying to Get Results. Brother Hagen influenced more than anybody else about how to be an effective prayer. And uh, those books are all in the bookstore. I notice we have lots of copies of them, so they're back there. And if you're hungry for more... Then that's some supplements for you. And so, does anybody need an uh, outline from, we used the same one last week, so we never finished it. If you don't have an outline from last week, hold up your hand and sound booth and all around here. So, Robert needs some outlines everywhere. So, I guess that, uh, praise the Lord. Yeah, it's the same outline from last week. We didn't update it because that's where we are. So this will be part three, and Pastor Dave is putting them on the Internet, so you can catch up on the Internet if you miss anything. I know some people will be going on vacation, so on vacation you can still keep up on the Internet. And uh, I want you to look at Matthew chapter 4, verse 4. We will be getting to the outline, and you know, maybe we'll get through that outline this week. If we don't, then it'll still be good for next week. Because we have so many things that I want to get across that sometimes it's, you know, a challenge to see what to do. Matthew chapter 4. Then I got something fresh with the Holy Ghost while we was worshiping at the altar. Men to God give to you that uh, is in line with this. As I was kind of searching my heart about what to do tonight for where to start at. Matthew chapter 4, verse 4. Matthew chapter 4, verse 4. says, but he answered and said, it is written... He's talking about in the Bible written, and uh, he was quoting from Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 3. Jesus always used the Word of God in his spiritual warfare. The Word of God's the sword of the Spirit. But he's talking to the devil right here, trying to mess him up. Does the devil ever try to come into your, into your prayer life, into your head, and try to mess with you? Amen. I'll tell you what, you're not going to resist him just by being a good Christian. You have to resist him with words out of your mouth that are in line with the Word of God. And so when he was tempted, he told the devil, it is written. In other words, he said, the Bible says. And you got to know what the Bible says. You know, uh, I was talking to somebody a while back, talking about, you know, there's a lot of preachers that just get up and they keep saying, the Bible says, the Bible says, the Bible says. Well, as a pastor, what I know is this. There might be a lot of mature Christians that know what it says and where it says it, but there's also a lot of Christians that don't know. Unless we as men and women of God tell you where it's at and you write it down to see where it's at when you need it, you're not going to know. And so we, if, if, if I were sitting at a, in a college Bible class where you guys have been doing this for 15 years already, that I could say, well, you know, the Bible says here, the Bible says there, the Bible says that. 
But because we have a mixture of Christians at a church service like this, here's where the Lord gave it to me a while ago, is this. And uh, some people may know what I'm saying and some may not, but if you don't, then I guess you have to go read a history book. Uh, my wife, Pastor Janice, went to a one-room schoolhouse up in the wilderness of Maine when she was a girl. A one-room schoolhouse. They had kids in her class all the way from kindergarten, they didn't have kindergarten, but from first grade up to, up to high school, all in one room. And so the teacher, during the course of the day, did her best to make her rounded, you know, the ones of different levels, try to teach something to all of them. But all the kids, no matter what level they were in education, were all in one room. That's called a one-room schoolhouse. And that's how the United States started off with one-room schoolhouses. Everybody, the community, somebody want to be a school teacher, the kids want to learn, so they have a room, they bring them on to it and teach them. Well, in a church service like this, I want especially you seasoned, mature Christians to listen closely. Okay. A church service like this, we call it prayer school. We have every level of Christian in here tonight. Some Christians in here are what we call baby Christians. The Bible says baby Christians, they've just been born again. They don't know anything about what the Bible says. And then we have some Christians in here that are college graduate, graduates in Bible and prayer and things like that. And so they know a whole lot about it. And so as a pastor, yielding to the Holy Ghost, my job is not to run over the heads of the babies where they get nothing and say, I wonder what he was talking about. But at the same time, my job is to feed the mature ones. And so at a service like this, I will hit basics over and over and over again. And then I'll be throwing out meat for the seasoned vets. And so everybody will get fed by the Holy Ghost as we teach the Word of God. So I want to say that again. In here, and this is especially for older Christians. By older, I don't mean you got gray hair. But I mean, you've been around a while. You've learned some things. And so sometimes in a service, you think, well, I know that. I know that. I know that. I know that. That's not pride. That's just because you know that. You think, well, I'd like to hear something new. But sometimes in a service, when you're being spirit led, there's people here that the Holy Ghost will have you hit a subject over and over because they're facing things in life. They don't know it. And so the Holy Ghost will have what I call bunny trail. And what that is, you know, it's like the dog uh, ch- ch- chasing the main path, and then all of a sudden a rabbit takes off over here. They take off on this rabbit trail, trying to catch something. Well, sometimes pastors hit a bunny trail because there's somebody out here. They're facing life and death situations if they don't get their answer. And so the pastor follows the Holy Ghost till he knows he's got it. And so do you get what we're saying? And so we will say things tonight that are going to feed meat eaters. But we got to say thanks for the babes, too, to get them started so they can eat meat someday. You know, I think about all the new moms we got. We've got new moms in this church here that feed their babies milk. Some of it's mother's milk. Some of it's bottled milk. But they're not giving them steak yet. And so we'll do what we can to feed everybody. The main thing is God wants to bring this church congregation up to a level of prayer to where we move mountains together. Where we raise the dead. Where we get things happen that God wants done. But because we are a congregation together, we've got to grow together. So this is an area that we've been lacking, so we're going to get it. Amen. And so Matthew chapter 4, verse 4, Jesus said, Man shall not live by bread alone. And how many know bread is food for your physical body? But he said, But by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. And so I want to say something that I've said before. And maybe you've never heard it before, but you need to hear it now. The Word of God is to your spiritual growth what food is to your physical growth. You've got to eat to live. 
you know, you can fast all you want to and pray all you want to, but there don't come a point in time you start missing food, your body, your body's going to wear out, it's going to fall over. You've got to eat. I heard a preacher say this one time, says it's a shame. It's a shame we've got so many heavy Christians. They can eat three meals a day and snacks and then not feed the Spirit anything all week long, come in on a Sunday morning and expect the pastor to feed them for what they should have been eating all week long. And so if you take the time to feed your physical body, you need to take the time to feed your spirit. I, I can help you now, but then during the course of the week, don't wait till next Sunday before you eat. Because if you do, you're going to get weak. And so food to your body is like the word to your spirit. And then also prayer to your physical body. Uh, prayer to your spiritual life is like breathing is to your physical body. You need to breathe to live. You need to eat to live. And so to have a vibrant, strong spiritual life, you need to eat the Word of God, and you need to pray. You need to breathe. You need to breathe what you're, what, 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 what you're feeding on. So we need, to, we need to eat. We need to breathe. We need to pray. We need to read. Amen. Amen. And so the Word of God, Jesus said that the Word of God... Is what we need if we're going to grow. Now I want you to look at Mark chapter 16 verse 20. I just want to show you a couple of things to get a point across to you. Mark 16 verse 20. And you know, uh, I could ask a show of hands. I'd hope to be 100%. How many want to be better prayers? How many want, how many would like to, like to know that every time you say amen, it's going to happen? Amen. That's what we want in our lives. We want to grow. And so, I'm very serious when I say this, the things I'm looking at tonight is to help you to change from a beggar in prayer to somebody that has authority in prayer. I know you have standing in heaven where your father is going to take care of what you ask for. Amen. I get things done. So Mark 16, verse 20. Of course, this passage is a great commission about laying hands and uh, sick and everything. like. But he gets down to verse 20. says, and they went forth and preached everywhere. And the Lord working with them at confirming their good intentions with signs following. Confirming their prayers with signs following. Confirming what? The word with signs following. If you want your prayers answered, you better ask the word in your prayers. You better know what the word of God has to say. And so a prayer apart from the word of God is practically useless. I will let that sink in. Prayer apart from the Word of God is practically useless. Useless. I, I can quote you dozens of scriptures for the next hour about the Word of God and the value in the faith life of a believer. But if you are, if you are a believer that has a very low uh, word level in your spiritual life, you're going to have a very low faith level. If you've got a very low faith level, then your prayer answer level is going to be very low. You've got to get serious about the Word of God. Well, Pastor, why are you saying that? I already know that. Well, that's because you're a mature Christian. But the babies don't know that yet. And there's people here that uh, have probably been born again for years. They still don't know it yet. And so that's why we're called a Word of Faith Church, because we know how valuable the Word of God is to your faith. And so that's why we major on the Word of God. So anyway, I hope those things did something to help you get on the same page that God is. God wants you to become a disciple. And a disciple... Oh, there's these bunny trails. I hit them, but I hit them, so it helps people. I learned this in Bible school 30-some years ago. Disciple means a student. And so many times the 
disciples in the Bible called Jesus rabbi. That means teacher. And so if they were disciples of the teacher, that made them students. And so our teacher is Jesus. If we're going to be a disciple of Jesus, that means we're going to be students of the word because he is the word. And so if we're going to be a real disciple of Jesus, that means we're going to be learners. We're going to learn what the Bible has to say. And then if we're going to pass the test in life, that means we're going to know what's in the textbook. And when the textbook gets in our hearts, comes out of our mouths, then we're going to get answers to our prayers. That's what we're after. And so that's why we make it such a big deal out of how you can't have a strong prayer life apart from the Word of God. And so we're teaching these things what we're teaching. We have the books of the bookstore to go along with it to help you get really serious about your prayer life to where you see things changed. Amen. Amen. God wants to use us to do great things. Uh, I'm going to look again for the sake of looking. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 18. Looked at it last week. We'll look at it again tonight. A little refresher. Uh, you know, it, it's advisable when you come to class to bring a notebook or a pen or something to write with you, write on your outline, or actually to start a prayer notebook where you have a journal or spiral notebook or something where you start writing some things down, taking some notes, and then, you know, I, I praise God for the modern age. How you can go online and get these things off, off the Internet and just hear what we're saying to catch up and then to refresh yourself again. Uh, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 18. The Holy Spirit through the Apostle Paul, said, Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. But the main thing I want to emphasize on this is the, is the praying with all kinds of prayer, with, with always with all prayer. Another translation says, with all kinds of prayer. All manner of prayer. One translation says, Use every kind of prayer and entreaty, and every opportunity, pray in the Spirit. And so, there's different kinds of prayer. And you know, most people, I'll say it again, most people just know the Jimmy prayer. What's the Jimmy prayer? Most people just know that my name's Jimmy, I'll take all you give me. You know, oh Lord, bless our forward no more. That's all they know. Most people just know, cry out to God. When you got a problem or somebody you know has a problem, somebody you love has a problem, that's one kind of prayer. Well, the way the Lord has me to relay it that works best for me is that, uh, that the different kinds of prayer are like different kinds of tools a mechanic has in his toolbox. Our electrician has. Our plumber has. Our carpenter has. You know, the, the Jimmy prayer is just basically saying, I, I got a pair of channel locks and they'll fit anything. They'll get the job done. Well, channel locks don't drive six penny nails very good. <laughs> Amen. And channel locks don't work too good as a crowbar. You got crowbars, you got channel locks. You got sockets. You got open end wrenches. You got box wrenches. You got screwdrivers. You got Phillips screwdrivers, flathead screwdrivers, hex. You got every kind of a tool there is, and you need to know what's in your toolbox. But most importantly, you need to know how to use the tools in your toolbox. You know, if uh, if you're trying to put a little bitty Phillips screwdriver screw and stuff like that, you got a you got great big sledgehammer, you probably break the part trying to get that little screw in. You know, so there's a time for sledgehammers. That's really not very often. <laughs> Amen. And so there's a time there's a time for the prayer petition, which has come to the Father in the name of Jesus. I ask you, Lord, for this. There's a time for that. But there's a time for the prayer of worship. There's a time for the prayer of binding and loosening. 
There's a time for the prayer of thanksgiving. There's so many different kinds of prayers. And that's why he says here, pray with the Spirit. Well, the Holy Spirit will let you know what tool you need for the job. Sometimes you don't need to pray at all. You need to say, Satan, I bind you in Jesus' name. But the de- if the problem's not the devil, but the one looking at you through the mirror, you can't bind you. Amen. And so many times, people are trying the prayer of binding and loosening when they're the problem. You're the one that needs fixed sometimes, and you're trying to blame everything on the devil. And the devil just backs that, ha, 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 I'll just do all the laughing today because the joke's on them. Oh, well, moving right along. That was pretty good, I thought. <laughs> Amen. I'll tell you what, I've learned to judge the one in the mirror. That's the one I judge, first of all, is the one in the mirror. After there's a problem going on, the first place I look is in the mirror. Amen. That's a good place to start. Okay. Amen. So we need to know that. We need to know there's different kinds of prayers, many different kinds of prayers. And so if you want to be a, a skilled craftsman, you need to read the textbook and begin to identify some of them. And last week, we looked at some of them. Uh, you know, I'd just write this down. I won't go back to these verses now because I want to get some new material. James 5, 14 and 15 says, If there's any sick among you, call for the elders of the church, and that order will fall in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith, the prayer of faith will heal the sick. Well, the prayer of faith is probably the one that most Christians are familiar with, but it's not the only prayer in your toolbox. The prayer of faith is always based upon God's revealed will in the Scriptures. God's revealed will in the Scriptures. What do you mean by that, Pastor? Well, I mean, the Word of God is the will of God. And in God's Word, God said, it's my will if you lay hands on the sick and they recover. It's my will for the elders, knowing with all the name of the Lord and the prayer of faith, will heal the sick. And so we never, we never, ever, ever, with the prayer of faith, say, Lord, if it be thy will. He said, it's my will to heal. So if it's his will to heal, you don't put an if into it. Amen. We say, Lord, I want to thank you in the name of Jesus. That as we lay hands right here, we believe in the name of Jesus, we receive healing. That's the prayer of faith. The prayer of faith says, Lord, your word says, and so I thank you this is happening. The prayer of faith, when it comes to your finances, God said in Malachi chapter 3, you bring your tithe in the storehouse, it's my will to rebuke the devourer for you. It's my will to open the windows of heaven and pour my blessing upon you. It's my will for people to see you and call you blessed because you're a blessed person, because you belong to me, and you're a tither, and you have tither's rights. Philippians 4.19, he said, it's my will, if you're an offering giver above your tithes, to supply all your need, according to my riches and glory by Christ Jesus. So when we pray, we don't have to, we don't have to beg God for rent money. We don't have to beg God for house payment money. We don't have to beg God for gas for our car. We have to beg God to meet, meet our need of need, put food on our tables, take care of our affairs. We don't have to beg Him for it at all. That's the prayer of faith where it says, Father, Your Word says, and I ask You for this, and I thank You in the name of Jesus. Because Your Word says, that's the prayer of faith. It's not a, well, Lord, if it be Thy will, I'd like my little babies to have some food this week. But nevertheless, not my will, but Thy will be done. There's so many scriptures that tell you He wants to feed your kids. He wants to feed you. He doesn't want you being a dumpster diver. He doesn't want you sitting in Burger King, watch somebody see if they're going to eat some french fries, they get up off their table. 
<laughs> Amen. And so that's, that's the prayer of faith. I write this down, uh, another prayer, Luke 22, 41 to 42 on your paper there, I've helped you catch up, is the prayer of consecration. The prayer of consecration. That's when Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane, getting ready to come to the cross. And, you know, a basic New Testament Bible doctrine, Jesus was all God, but he was all man. He came down as a man, but he laid aside his godly powers, and he came down as a man. He lived in a flesh earth suit. He hurt. He felt pain. He knew what it was. If they put thorns in his head, how it was going to hurt. If they beat his back with a whip, how it was going to feel. He knew what it was going to be to put him on a cross and put nails at his feet and his arms. He knew what those things were going to feel like. And so he was getting ready to go to the cross. He knew that part was coming. But the most serious part he knew was coming. He was with God from ever and ever and ever and ever. And he was getting ready to become sin for mankind, become separated from God and going to hell with nothing except him, totally exposed to Satan at hell. So with all those things he was facing, when he came to the Garden of Gethsemane, he was stopping to look up to heaven again, see if there's another way yet. Because he knew when he came down to earth, he came down to be the sacrificial lamb. He got to look at what he was facing. Go and get separated from the Father he's been with forever and ever and ever and ever. Get ready to get separated from him and not just to come into a bad place, but go into hell and become judgment for our sins and the sins of all mankind. And all the way there, the physical body to get pulverized. So he stopped, he looked up and said, Father, have you found another way yet? He said, I'm willing to do this, but if you got another way, I'll take it. But nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. And in our life sometimes, there comes a point in time, comes a point in time, we're facing serious decisions. I know one time God had me turn down two jobs. This is uh, back before Pastor Dave was born. Turned down a couple jobs, Teamsters jobs back then. I'm, I'm still worth this pay. Teamsters was $16 an hour. He wanted me to take a non-union job for $8 an hour. 50% pay cut. But he had sinners, serious sinners on that job he wanted to be mixed up, be mixed in with to share the gospel with them. And that was to me one of those times. Nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. So the prayer of consecration has that if in it. Lord, if there's no other way, I'm willing to go this way. But you've got to, I'd rather go this way. And so that's where that prayer of consecration is. As you make that consecration, I'm going to make a sacrifice to follow the plan of God for my life. How many here have ever known in your heart God wanted you to do something you didn't want to do? Anybody? Well, I'll tell you what, stay saved a little while longer. The rest of you will get it. He'll be moving on you to do something too. Because there comes a point in time when you have to be willing to do something you don't want to do. But in your heart, you know, God wants you to. And all you see is, this doesn't look real good for me. But let me tell you something. That way of consecration comes out, man, you come out smelling like a rose. You'll come out shining on the other side. The miracles God did in my family back at that time when I took that job for a season were awesome. Not to count the sinners that got ministered to. And so you see the different kinds of prayer. That's not the tool of rebuking something because you're going to be rebuking God. If he's helped you to do something, you can't tell God, get thee behind me. That's the time you say, Lord, nevertheless, thy will be done if it be thy will. So there is an if in that one. But not in the prayer of faith. Amen. So you got to know those two kind of th- things because, well, let me tell you why you got to know them. Because we have ignorant pastors. 
Now, there's ignorant pastors that tell people, you got to be praying all the time. Thy will be done. Thy will be done. You got somebody laying there really sick, messed up in life. So, oh, you never know the will of God. You got to pray, thy will be done. They're praying nothing but doubt and unbelief. Open the door of the devil, come and kill somebody. And so those pastors don't know because they don't know the Bible. So if you've had somebody teach you when it comes to matters that are absolute will of God, that you pray thy will be done, you say, no, I pray thy will be done. When God's dealt me to do something, I have a hard time to say, okay, Lord, nevertheless, thy will be done. If it be thy will, I'll do this. But it comes to things in the Bible, that's the time you pray the prayer of faith. Amen. Never an if in the prayer of faith, but there is in the prayer of consecration. Now, tonight I want to get to another kind of prayer, the prayer of commitment. I want you to look at 1 Peter chapter 5. 1 Peter 5. Now, we're going to look at verse 6 through 9. And the Lord has me spend a little time on this tonight. And the things I have to share, I hope I get through them because this is so serious. The Lord's really put this on my heart to minister this to you, the ones that are here that he wants to make sure you pass this class tonight. You end up for passing grade. He wants you to go to go through this uh, lesson tonight and really get it. First Peter chapter 5, verse 6 through 9, says, Humble yourselves, therefore, to the mighty hand of God. I, I'll give a little Bible uh, revelation. When you see the mighty hand of God or the arm of the Lord, that means the power of God. The mighty hand of God is the power of God. Humble yourselves, therefore, to the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. Now, we're going to be looking at that in detail, but that means your worries. And then he says this, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. And he's talking about the devil putting worries on you. How many know there's people get ulcers over worries? get high blood pressure, diabetes, all kinds of bad things happen to people. And you've heard the phrase, well, they word themselves to death. Well, you can see right here who's behind the worry. It's the devil. Said he, as a roaring lion, walked about seeking him and may devour. But then he says in verse 9, who resists steadfast in the faith. Well, we're talking about faith people having faith. Says you have got to resist Satan and his worries steadfast in the faith. And that's what we're talking about tonight. We're talking about the prayer of commitment, how to commit your problems to the Lord, your worries to the Lord, and then resist the devil when he tries to bring them back on you. Resist steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. Now, I want you to notice, you resist steadfast in the faith, and it says these same things happen to Christians that are in the world, worldly Christians. And I'll never forget when the Lord opened this up to me back in about 1981 at the Marone County Jail down in Bloomington, Indiana. There's a man down there. Some people asked me to go see, went to see him. I led him to the Lord through the cell. They wouldn't let me go back in the cell. So I had to hollow through the, hollow through the jail block. I had to let me stand there and preach to him. So everybody at the whole jail got preached to down there in Marone County. And so anyway, I started quoting this verse to him. And what I did, it came out this way. I want to tell you something, mister. There's two kinds of Christians. You're either in the Word or you're in the world. If you're a Christian that's in the Word, then you can resist steadfast in your faith and the devil will flee. If you live in the world, then the devil's your buddy. That's why some Christians get overcome with all the sins. 
the temptations and the misery of life because they got one foot over the fence on God's side, one foot on the devil's side, and they lose in life. He said, resist steadfast in the faith. Basic Bible lesson. How does faith cometh? By hearing the word of God. So if you're not resisting steadfast by hearing the word of God, you're not resisting steadfast in the faith. What did Jesus, we just looked at it in Matthew chapter 4, what did Jesus say when Satan tipped him? Satan, it is written. He didn't say, Satan, my preacher said last week, or no, I didn't go to church last week, maybe it was last month. I heard my preacher say something about stripes. Well, it's coming up on Memorial Day, so we'll talk about a flag, I guess. I was a sinner when I first started going to church. I heard the Pentecostal preacher talk about, by his stripes, you were healed. And the preacher says something like, this. oh, you know, by stripes, you were healed. You know what I did? I wanted to go like that. Oh, say, can you see the stars and stripes? I didn't know what stripes were except on a flag. That's what I thought as a baby Christian. It's not a joke, not trying to be funny. But they didn't teach me the Bible. They said, well, you all know by stripes you're healed. I want to salute the flag. And so you can't, you can't, you can't, if the devil tries to hit you with sickness and disease, resist him steadfast in the faith by saying, well, the preacher said stripes. I got a flag in my house. I'm going to fly it this year. No. Talk about the stripes on the back of Jesus. And we teach that here. But what I'm telling you is this. I want you to get this. I really want you to get this. You cannot resist Satan and the worries and the fears of things of life by saying the preacher said. You resist him steadfast with your faith. In other words, you've got to know, you've got to know some it is written. You've got to know some. I remember, I remember years ago, I took a CDL test. Matter of fact, I took a CDL test so many years ago, they didn't have a CDL yet. It was called a chauffeur's license. Then they come up with CDLs, and I got grandfathered in. I wasn't a grandfather, but I'd been driving trucks for a while, but I still had to take a test. And I remember it didn't make any difference what I thought the answer should be. I knew there is written what they had in the manual the answer should be. And so what you think things should be in life make no difference. Is what it is written makes the difference when you have to stand up against the devil. you got to tell him what your manual says. Amen. Your manual says, resist the devil and he'll flee from you. That's James 4, 7. 1 Peter 2, 24 says, by his stripes you are healed. This right here says, when Satan comes as a roaring lion, said you've got to resist him steadfast with your wife's faith. <laughs> with, your, with your grandma, God bless her heart. No, your grandma's faith might have carried you when you were this tall. You're this tall now. You've got to ask some of your faith, grandma. Because most of us are grandmas now. A lot of us are. Grandpas and everything like that. And so I want to get this across to you. It says Satan, as a roaring lion, tries to bring worry on you. Uh, Pastor, I went to the doctor this week and they saw something. Well, the devil's going to try to put worry on you about that. Pastor, they cut my R's last week and I got this coming due. He's going to try to put worry on you about that. Pastor, uh, my daughter left last week. And I haven't heard from him for two days. He can put worry on you. All these kind of things are what Satan does, try to mess you up with worry. And have you ever noticed that when you're full of worry, it's hard to pray? When you're full of worry, it's hard to pray for your church and your pastor. 
Because you're so bound up with worry yourself, you don't know what to do. All you can see is your own problems. Doing better preaching than you are shouting. Amen. Amen. We're in prayer school, and we're talking about prayer. And so he said that you've got to resist these worries. You've got to resist Satan with your faith. Now, I want to read this to you out of the Amplified. Verse 7 says, casting the whole of your care. Casting the whole of your care, all your anxieties, all your worries, all your concerns, once and for all on him, on Jesus, for he cares for you affectionately and cares about you watchfully. It says casting them on him, on him. That means when the devil puts things on you, you've got to throw them to Jesus. You know, I just I just think about this. I got a set of car keys here, house keys, everything else. Right now, I have these keys. I'm going to cast them. I don't have my keys anymore. I cast them away. That's how you cast your worries away. Satan tries to make you possess those fears about tomorrow, those fears about the future. And when you cast your cares upon Jesus, that Satan's going to try to get some new worries and bring them to you. And when it comes, says you resist him steadfast in the faith. Josh, quit trying to give me your keys. I'm not going to take them. I'm not going to take them. No, they're not mine. You keep them. I don't want them. No, I'm not taking those keys. Pastor Dave, no, you can't give them to me. I'm not taking them. No, no, I got rid of all mine, man. I don't want them back. That's what you've got to say when those thoughts come to you. Okay. Uh, did anybody ever watch Get Smart? Did anybody ever see Maxwell? Did you ever see him say, well, would you believe? I was watching one one time, and there were some people on a boat trying to get him. said, would you believe the Sixth Fleet is in the harbor and it's coming this way? And that chaos agent said, no, I wouldn't believe that. said, would you believe then? There's a big boat out there, got a bunch of sailors on it. I wouldn't believe that. Would you believe there's a rowboat with a Boy Scout? <laughs> and how, what do you mean by that? Okay, you got diagnosed by the doctor, you got a spot. And the devil says, would you believe you've got cancer? No, I wouldn't believe that devil. I believe that by Jesus stripes I'm healed. What would you believe? You got TB. No, 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 I'm not taking TB either. Well, would you believe? You got pneumonia? No, 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 I'm not even taking pneumonia. I'm taking nothing, devil. He always tries to keep throwing something else at you. He wants you to take something. He wants you to take something. Financial read or whatever it is, he tries to get you to worry about something. He wants you to worry about what's going to happen. You know, has anybody ever had a reprieve on a financial debt or something like that? I mean, man, they give you another week, give you another two weeks. Well, man... It starts getting two days for the thing, man. Your stomach starts getting queasy. You start getting messed up. You can't eat. You can't sleep. You try to figure out what to do. You know what that's called? That's called the devil trying to throw those keys back at you again. Say, take it back. Take it back. Take it back. You resist steadfast in the faith. You make that prayer commitment to Jesus. Jesus, I'm committing this to you. I'm living for you. I belong to you. I love you. I serve you. And I'm committing this problem to you, Jesus. So when the devil comes and tries to mess with you, you say, no, devil, 
I'm going to go to sleep. I'm going to sleep like a believer because Jesus has that. And you know what I've said so many times? When I'm in my prayer closet, I don't know about you. I, know the diff- I do know the difference between my thoughts, Satan's attacks, and the Holy Spirit talking to me. I know the difference. Holy Spirit gives me peace. I'm not going to think bad thoughts. And anxiety, fear thoughts have to be from the devil then. That stuff comes on me, tries to make me fear about what's going to happen tomorrow. You know, I say, I say, Satan, you go talk to Jesus. He has that. I don't. I gave it to him last week. I'm not taking it back. So if you want to talk about it, I'm going to sleep. Get out of my room, devil, in the name of Jesus. You go talk to Jesus about it because he has it. And when I do that, guess what that's called? Resistance steadfast to the faith that goes every time. Somebody said, well, yeah, what if it don't go? Well, then it wasn't faith then. Oh, I said, I tried that, but it didn't work. I've never tried it. I just do it. <laughs> Amen. Is that good preaching or what? Amen. Give the Lord a hand. And then I want you to notice, Living Bible says, Let him have all your worries and cares, for he's always thinking about you and watching everything that concerns you. Watching everything that concerns you. I remember the Lord gave that verse to me 37 years ago in the Living Bible. I heard him say it to me this way. He's watching everything that concerns me. The difference is he can do something about it and I can't. Doesn't that make it simple? If he knows what concerns me, why would I want it to concern me then? I want him to handle it because he can handle it and I can't. I am no match for the devil. But the greater one in me, Satan's no match for him. And so I let him have my cares and my worries. Satan has to flee. He has to go. I'll tell you what. I've never had an ulcer in my life, but I'm going to get one. I've never had high blood pressure. It's not going to start now. I don't have nightmares. Amen. I have dreams and visions from Jesus. I don't go for nightmares. I don't want any nightmares. I'm not going to have them. I like to get my sweet sleep. I go to bed at nighttime, 99% of the time, I hit the pillow. I'll put on a Brother Hager or something a lot of times bad. I get to hear the first couple of minutes of the sermon. I wake up. Next morning, it's over. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Does anybody get anything out of this? That's the prayer commitment. And I, I want you just to write this down. don't really want to go here because i got a few verses I want to look at. Write down Acts chapter 12, verse 1 through 11. Acts chapter 12, verses 1 through 11. And, and the reason I, want, I don't want to go there, I want to get some other verses. But, you know, some of you know this Bible story. Some of you don't. So I'm not going to say we all know this story because you probably all don't. But in Acts chapter, chapter, chapter 12 here, is that 12 what it said? In Acts chapter 12, Peter got put in prison. The day before that, King Herod had the head cut off of James, one of the apostles. And he told Peter, said, your head's coming off tomorrow. Well, Peter cast his cares upon the Lord. He committed it to the Lord. He went to sleep. He was chained down in between 16 soldiers. He was there in chains. They wanted to make sure he was there to take his head off the next day. And he went soundly asleep in the middle of the night. An angel of the Lord came. Angel of the Lord knocked the chains off, et cetera, et cetera. But the angel of the Lord says had to smote him on the side to wake him up. Is that somebody that gave their cares to the Lord? So he has a right to preach. First Peter chapter five, verse seven does. Cast your cares upon the Lord. And then, and then 
if he was one of the modern day telemarketers, uh, don't hold that against Pastor Dave. He used to do that. He's, he's a good guy now. <laughs> like he said this morning, he just paid his way through college. But anyway, modern day would say, they'd say, don't try this at home. This is done by real professionals. You can do this at home. What Peter did in the prison will work for you at home. And like they say when they do that slice and dice of commercials, it really, really works. It really, really works. You get a man in prison, already cut off his friend's head and said, yours is coming off tomorrow. He says, Jesus, I'm giving this to you and I'm going to sleep. I don't really care. I don't have a care in the world. Sixteen soldiers chained down. They've already proven they're not just playing with him. They're really going to do it. He said, I'm going to sleep. The angel of the Lord came in. Do you think if an angel came into your prison cell and you lay there, you'd be sleeping so hard the angel had to say, hey, wake up, wake up, wake up. <sighs> and then it says the chains fell off and the angel let him out and they come to the big iron doors of the prison. said the doors kept on opening by themselves. He walked through. That was a get smart thing. What? You just get smart. Could that thing? All those doors open. He came through and the doors open. And it says when he got outside, he was still groggy from sleeping. And it says he come to sense and realized, hey, this really happened. That's called casting your cares upon the Lord. I've been through situations that were impossible situations, and it looked like it was so impossible that I had to come to my sense and say, wait a minute. That was supposed to have happened two days ago, and it never happened. Wow, thank you, Jesus. He did it. Amen. So is there a time for the prayer of commitment? You commit them to him, and then you sleep like a believer. Somebody said, Well, I sleep like a baby. Well, no wonder you're tired all the time. Amen. Psalms 127, uh, 2, Proverbs 3, 24 says he gives his beloved sweet sleep. Says believers supposed to have sweet sleep. I don't know about you, but I've seen ahead of me sometimes. And sometimes he sleeps like a baby. And sometimes his mom prays that he sleep like a believer. Amen. So anyway, that was just a freebie there. Start, change your confession. I sleep like a believer. I don't sleep like a baby anymore. I quit doing that years ago. Amen. Uh, look at Philippians chapter 4, verse 6. Philippians chapter 4, verse 6. You need to write these verses down. They'll help you with the test. Somebody said, Pastor, I, I, I just got off the boat. I don't know anything about a test. What's a test? Satan's going to come to tempt you and test you. And so this will be on the test to be able to know what the book says so you can pass the test and tell Satan, get out of here in Jesus' name. Amen. Philippians 4, 6 says this. Be careful for nothing or be anxious for nothing. Worry about nothing. Well, that nothing is no thing. See the N-O-T-H-I-N-G? What things are you supposed to worry about? No things. You don't worry about money. I mean, that is if you're a tither. If you're not a tither, you're already worried then because you're not a tither. And if you was in faith, you'd be a tither. Don't worry about your marriage if you're doing right. If you've got doors you need to mend to close things up, you need to close them up. But if you're living for Jesus, you don't worry about your marriage. You don't worry about your children. If you're living for Jesus, you're a tithe. You don't worry about your job. Because if that one goes, a better one's going to be here tomorrow. Amen. 
Be careful for nothing, but everything, in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And so there we have the two prayers again, the prayer of commitment, let them have your worries, and then the prayer of petition. And so until you become proficient in using the prayer of commitment, you will really be hindered in your prayer life or the prayer of faith. Can you see how the prayer of commitment there precedes the prayer of faith? You can't be in worry and in faith at the same time. I want to tell you something about this walk that you need to get the revelation of. There's no neutral just cruising in life. Because you have an enemy, Satan, as a roaring lion. And so you think, well, I'm just going to coast for a while. Guess what? Satan doesn't coast. He just keeps on working and working and working and working. And so just because you prayed the prayer of faith and you're in faith doesn't mean you have to have your antenna up to resist and tell Satan, no, 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 in Jesus' name, no, 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 I refuse to worry. I refuse to take that back. I'm not going to be anxious. You know, we can't help but get excited in life sometimes to kind of get things stirred. There's a difference between butterflies in the stomach because you're getting kind of something going on and taking worries. There's a difference. When you're being attacked, you got to say, no, 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 in Jesus' name, no, I'm not receiving this. I thank you, Father, I've already prayed, and I know you're taking care of it. Satan, in the name of Jesus, I resist you. Can you see what I'm saying? He said, now listen, you know something else that we've got to understand? The Bible would not tell us something we couldn't do. That would make God unjust if he said, here's something you're supposed to do, but you really can't do it, but I'm going to tell you to anyway. He said... Christians, now get this, stick your toes under your chair because you're not going to like this. But like Pastor Dave said today, you got to eat the Brussels sprouts and the macaroni and cheese. Anything else you don't like? Well, the babies, I don't like it. But <laughs> Anybody ever eat anything they didn't like to eat? Okay, well, when you're getting fed the Word of God, sometimes there's things that they just taste weird at first. It's a sin to worry. Why is it a sin to worry? Because God said don't do it. Don't. <laughs> Amen. You know, uh, the only difference is this is not one of those thou shalt nots. But he could have put it thou shalt not worry. Because that's what thou shalt not says. tells you thou shalt not what you're not supposed to do. You're not supposed to murder. You're not supposed to lie. You're not supposed to commit adultery. Not supposed to bear false witness, not supposed to have idols before God, and thou shalt not worry. You know, if I were Perry Mason, I'd say I rest my case. Somebody said, Who's Perry Mason? Well, how about Matlock? You know, we'll bring it all up to modern times. Oh, I, I never watched it yet, but I've never seen a Matlock in my life. <laughs> I just knew it was a kind of a modern show. <laughs> okay, sorry. I blew that one, didn't I? Whatever a modern show is, I've seen the Law and Order thing, but I already saw it was too perverted for me, so I don't watch Law and Order. Somebody said, that's my favorite show. Well, thou shalt not. (laughs) I love being a pester. I mean a pastor. (laughs) Amen. Can you see from the Word of God that's a sin to worry? He tells us over and over again, thou shalt not worry. Well, I want to wrap this up.
pretty much by going to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. And if you don't get this prayer commitment as one of your standard operating tools and how to use it, you're going to be hindered in your prayer life. This is, this is a tool you really need to get, to get a hold of. This prayer is vital in your toolkit. It's vital to be able to resist worry because it tries to hit everybody every day. Matthew 6, I'll just get through some of the stuff in this probably, but it's, it's so good. It says, verse 24, no man can serve two masters. He will hate the one and love the other. Or else he will hold the one, despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. You can't serve God and money. Money cannot be your God. God wants you to have money. He does not want money to have you. Well, pastor, uh, I would like to come to church more than once a month. But the God I'm serving right now called money won't let me come more than once a month. But you can't serve God and money. You know... I before had to talk to bosses to change shifts. I've had to change jobs so I could serve God. And so he says, you can't serve God and money. Well, I don't know about that. I didn't say it. My master said it. (laughs) Amen. You can't serve God and money. And so he says, therefore, I say to you, take no thought for your life, what you shall eat or what you shall drink. Or yet for your body, what you should put on is not the life more than meat and the body than raiment. My center column says, take no thought, says do not worry about food. Do not worry about clothing. If I was Pastor Dave, I'd probably have some nice little story to tell you right now. i got a good one coming in just a minute, though. Or if I was Pastor Dave, I'd probably say, now this is the new living transmission. Still thinking about tools. <laughs> new living translation we're looking at, or I'd say this is the new King James. But I got a good Greek center called, so mine says, do not worry. So if you got a new living translation, I'm sure it says that because it usually matches up pretty good. He says, don't worry about what you're going to eat. Don't worry about what, you, what you're going to wear. He said, don't worry about these things. Amen. Somebody said, well, pastor, I'm kind of worried all he got. Uh, one more day's groceries left. I don't get paid till Friday. Jesus said, don't worry about it. Amen. He said, cast your cares upon him. He said, go take care of the groceries. But I'll tell you what, if Mrs. Pastor was here, she could tell you story after story after story after story. We live in modern times. And there was one year, at the end of the year, and I get a social security thing here, but you probably do tell you how much you made over the years. There was one year. That I, that I made, I think it was $12,000 for the year, and I paid $50 a week child support, and before that I paid my tithe for a whole year in modern times. God took care of my car, took care of my gas, took care of our rent. We didn't live in a mansion, we lived at a dump. <laughs> the dump was so unpleasant. Uh, this has been a long time ago. I don't live these places anymore. It was so unpleasant. We had water in the basement about that deep with snakes swimming in it. And in the middle on a big old wooden pole was a fuse box. And we blew fuses all the time. I had to put on rubber boots and go through the snakes to change the fuses in the water. 
did that in faith. I won't ever do that again. When I cut grass, there were so many snakes on that property. Snake parts flew everywhere, just cutting the grass so the kids could walk through the yard and not get bit by a snake. So, so I said, how did you live on 12,000? That's how we lived 12,000 that year. We lived where we could live. We had a roof over our head. We had an oil furnace back in Indiana. We had oil furnaces there. They didn't have all the pollution laws. Didn't have enough money for the oil company to come out and put oil in it. I had a five-gallon can. I went down to the gas station, got five gallons of diesel at a time. Got enough diesel to put in the tank to heat us up in the wintertime to last us two or three days. So I'm telling you, sometimes you got to do what you got to do. You be faithful. You do what you got to do. You don't whine. You don't complain. Well, I, I, you know, I just, I want to get that story just a second to finish that one up because that's, this is my story. Dave got his. I got mine. Pastor Dave. Okay, so he says, don't worry about what you're going to eat. Behold the fowls of the air, they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather in the barns. Yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are you not much better than they? He said, your Father feeds the birds. If he feeds the birds, can he feed you? Amen, that's what he's talking about. It says, and why take your thought, and that says again, why do you worry about your clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, the flowers out there, how they grow, they toil out, do they spin? Yet I say to you that Solomon is, is clothed better than the flowers out there. And so, wherefore, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is, tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall I not most clothe you, O ye of little faith? And so, Jesus said, don't worry, your Father knows what you need, He's going to feed you. He's going to clothe you. Verse 31 is a key verse to casting your cares upon the Lord, the prayer commitment. He says, therefore, take no thought, and I circled the word saying. Take no thought saying, what are we going to eat? What are we going to drink? What are we going to do? Why is that so crucial? Jesus said in Mark eleven twenty three, you'll have what you say. And so when thoughts come, that you know are not your thoughts, when you say them, they became your thought. When you said, I don't know how we're going to make this payment, that worry thought become your thought. What do you say? When that thought comes, they say, Satan, it is written, my God shall supply all my need, according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Take no thought saying, how are we going to get the kids' school clothes? You say, Satan, get behind me. My God shall supply all of my need for his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Take no thought saying, honey, I don't have enough gas to drive the car to work on Monday. You say, my God shall supply all of my need for his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. You know what I used to have to do so I could drive my car on empty tanks? I used to have to put a car in front of my gas gauge because I got fear all the way there. Somebody said, would that work? I don't know about you. It worked for me because God knew where I was. I didn't have any money and I had to get to work. Somebody said, well, how does that work? Well, how did he multiply the fishes and loaves? How did he turn the water into wine? How did Moses part the Red Sea? How did the walls of Jericho fall? How did David kill the giant? I don't know. Keep on coming to prayer school. Keep on coming to prayer school. Keep on coming to prayer school. It's called faith in the Word of God. You do what you've got to do. 
And so I tithed. I had no money. I had to go to work. And I looked at that gas gauge. All I heard was fear, 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 fear. So I laid my hands on it. I said, Father, I want to thank you in the name of Jesus. But Jesus got in the boat. He said, we're going to the other side. I said, I'm making it to work. They're going to pay me today. And then I'll get gas. Somebody said, I got gas too. I went to Taco Bell. No, we're not talking about that. <laughs> we're in Del Taco Town. I realize that. <laughs> mm. Is this helping anybody? I'm telling you, this is how this really works. You've got to do these things. And Jesus said all things are possible in the believers. Anyway, he said, don't take any thought saying you've got to resist those things. Uh, the Gentiles seek all those things. But seek ye first the kingdom of God, his righteousness. All these things be added unto you. And so what I'm looking at is this. I'm going to close with this here. You know about Deuteronomy 28. I'm going to throw that verse in there as I tell you this story. I think I have that in your notes too, don't I? Deuteronomy 28, verse 47 and 48. So real, so real, so real. You've got to get this tool in your toolbox know how to use it. It says, because thou servest not, this talk about the curse of redeemed from because thou servest not the Lord thy God with joyfulness and with gladness of heart for the abundance of all things. Serving with joyfulness and gladness of heart for the abundance of all things. Therefore, shalt thou serve thine enemies. And I want to close with this story. Uh, David, our, our compete, Pastor David, our compete for stories. He's got some pretty good ones, but I had them first. I'll be appreciative of preaching on Sunday mornings what he's doing. That is really good, isn't it? Okay, at the snake house we lived in, and by the way, I didn't want to confess snakes, but they were there. So I just had to deal with it. So we cut their heads off with the lawnmower. And we electrocuted them. <laughs> oh, boy, praise the Lord. Oh, thank you, Jesus. made it through those days. Amen. That was pre-Pastor Dave times. He wasn't here yet. But anyway, at that place we lived at, we lived in the middle of a great big cattle ranch. The guy had 600 head of cattle right there. Our house was right in the middle of the cattle ranch. And out our window, I looked out the window, the guy had these great big round feeders. He had these great big giant bulldozer tractors. He bring these great big, big old bells that had dumped them in there. And what he did, these cows would come from everywhere. I'd see hundreds hundreds of cows outside of my window just eating the little hearts out. Well, in that steakhouse we was at, I got laid off from my job while we ended up moving in there. I had a new car that ended up being on the lemon list cars. I'd had it for about a couple of years as on the lemon list, but it was still new and I had new car payments. I'd been at the same job since 1969. This is the 80s. It was Teamster's job. That's when Teamster's things got hit. And so I got laid off and I had this new car and the engine blew up. And so in between me and the cows is this new shiny car sitting out there. I looked at this car. I looked at those cows eat. And so we in our lives, and this is not saying that anybody does what they do. We never, ever, ever, still never have got a food stamp or a welfare payment. They never, ever got that. But we were so desperate, we went down to the welfare office. Everybody says, go get help, go get help, go get help. So we went down to the welfare office and said, hey, man, we need some help with our heating bill. We need some food stamps or something to help us. They said, well... Do you have any cars? I said, well, I got a broke down car. I said, 
Let, let us see the registration. I brought the registration. They looked at the registration. They looked at the year of the car. They said, you got too much assets, too much money. We can't give you any assistance. I said, I don't have anything, ma'am. We're broke. I said, I'm laid off. and don't have anything. They said, you got that car? Sell it. I said, nobody's going to buy that car. It's got a blown engine. I said, I can't make the payments on it. They won't even come and get it because it's got a blown engine. They said, sorry, we can't give you food stamps or anything. Nothing. We got nothing. Nothing. So we went back. I watched those cows come out to eat. And I'd sit there and look at those cows come out to eat. And then this demon got on this shoulder. And his brother got on this shoulder. And I heard these words every day. God don't care about you. He feedeth the cows. If the cows eat better than you do, they're going to become McDonald's hamburgers. The devil knows where McDonald's is, I guess. As I look at those cows eat, and then I do the whiny prayer. Oh, God. Oh, God. Oh, God. You know, help, help, help. My name is Jimmy. My name is Jimmy. Help, help, help me. Help me. Then we'd cry ourselves to sleep again. I'd get up the next day. I'd have my Bible out, man, praising the Lord, having victory. About that time, the cows would get fed. I'd see the broke down car. I'd see the cows eating. Here come demon number one. Here come demon number two. The cows eat better than you do. And they're going to become McDonald's meat. God don't care about you and your kids. The cows eat better than you do. And so finally, after a few days... I started really getting a hold of I mean, I was doing all I knew to do then, but man, you know, it's kind of rough when you got swimming snakes and you got a cold house and you see the cows eating good and you see your cupboards with nothing in them and that stuff's going on. Finally, when the Lord led me to this verse right here, he said this to me. Every day he gave me Deuteronomy 47 and 48 and finally it registered. He said, if you don't serve me, with joyfulness and gladness of heart, before you have the abundance of all things, you're never going to have the abundance of all things. When he told me that, it changed my life. Guess what? I asked my kids, do I have abundance of a lot of things now? <laughs> and so I'm telling you, to get from where you are, if you're still living with the snakes and the broke down car and those things in your life, if you want to get to where you're supposed to be, you better learn that prayer. Of casting your cares upon the Lord. And then you better by faith be able to raise your hands. As you look at the broke down car. As you watch the cows eat. You better, you better raise your hands. And say, Father, I want to thank you that I'm better than the birds. I'm better than the cows. Lord, I want to thank you. You care about my wife. You care about my children. Oh, I just want to thank you and praise you, Jesus, for the buttest of all things. I'll tell you what. I started doing that. I walked around my house. And I thanked you for the buttest of all things. Then the little job began to open up. You know what our next place was after that, not very many months down the road? A six-bedroom farmhouse on 80 acres. Amen. And then from there, it's been promotion and promotion and promotion. But you know what? I learned that basic faith lesson that says, Satan, I resist your worries in Jesus' name. I resist your cares in Jesus' name. We've stepped out of so many faith adventures since then. And Satan's never been able to use that one on me again, ever again. I got rid of the worries back then. I've never got them back again. Have they knocked? 
Are you kidding me? Man, that's almost a daily thing, those things knocking. But now it's such a faint knock, I pay no attention to it. I just, I don't even have to, I don't even have to say who's there. You know, it's just out of here. And so I just want to tell you, learn to use that prayer of commitment. You learn to use that prayer effectively, then you're getting set up for the prayer of faith and for every other thing God has for you. Does this help anybody? Amen. Let's stand up.